Well, God bless you guys. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Yeah, we are so, so glad to be here. And we had so much fun yesterday during the marriage enrichment. We're, we're, we're living proof that um, if we can make it, anybody can, you know, in terms of marriage. Because um, we came from such drastically different backgrounds. We were talking about that a bit yesterday. I was born a heathen, stayed a heathen for a long time until Jesus found me. And she was like raised up in the church and that's all she knew. And so throw two of those people in the same room after, you know, and say, get along. So, and, uh, and then I was raised redneck, which didn't help much more. So, but anyway, yeah, greet everybody, baby. Yeah. Hi, we're super glad to be here. And I just, I had this thought, <clears throat> Caleb, honey, how long were you here? Three and a half years? Four, three and a half? Yeah. Something. So we gave you our son for three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we already, yeah. You're scoundrels is what you are, so, yeah. And you're fine with that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's probably never going to work. They're, they're never going to reciprocate. Anyway, yeah, we're super glad to be here. Um, we love this place. It's, it really is a second home to us and, and love Dave and Deb and their family. And they've poured into us um, for years and um, believed in us and pulled things out of us that we were didn't know was there and weren't secure enough to believe was there and they just have always championed us and we love that and just adore them and and deb and i are kind of kindred spirits and so that's been encouraging for shannon i'm like see i'm not the only one like home depot's my favorite store i'm not weird look at look at deb and you know and our honoriness so it encourages him to see that other other pastors that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We're the best thing that ever happened to them. So, you know. Yeah. That's, that's really true on that one. Yeah. <laughs> way, to, yeah. way to save face. I mean, I still want to go home with you either way. Yeah. So, anyway. So, we're super glad to be here. I, during worship, which was really awesome. Thank you so much, team. Um, I just... I, yeah. So good. It's wonderful to have musicians. It's a different thing to have worshipers. You know, and sometimes it's wonderful to have both, which you do. You do have both, you know, but I'll take worshipers above musicians anytime. Yes. And I'm a musician. So just to say really honor and press in with them. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't planning on saying that. Don't probably need to say that because when we walked into the room, you guys you are already feel. pressing in. But I, I just did, I did hear during the, the, uh, during worship, um, and with the Lord, and I, hear, I just hear that the, the latter is greater than the former. The latter is greater than the former. And it was interesting that you, that's so funny that you sung that song. Like old school Brownsville, you know. And we sang that two weeks ago at church. I was, you know, well, I hadn't sung it forever. But what was interesting when I was hearing that phrase about the, the, the latter glory will be greater than the former. And I was actually seeing a picture of glory pouring in the room. And to me, it looked like honey. And then you started singing that song, and I was like, well, there you go. You know, he's like honey, and just, so I'm super excited, yeah. super excited yeah. for this place and this yeah. family, yeah. and for the glory of God to just so rock you, and then you just to, to rock this area and the nations, because you guys never contain yourself. You're not going to contain yourself to this area. You're an apostolic house, and you are going to rock the nations. Yeah. 
So I'm just so yeah. thankful for that, that the glory of the, the, you know, it's glory to glory. Yeah. So the latter is greater than the former, even as amazing as that will be. And so we're just super yeah. excited for you and we love you deeply. It's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we too. Yeah. I'm, I'm so appreciative of Dave and Deb and everything they've meant to us when we got connected with them. There, there are a few people in our lives that, that we intersect with that just leave marks on us in such good ways. And when we got connected to Dave and Deb, it was just that. Um, and uh, our lives have ever been, forever been changed by our relationship with you. Dave is the one that honestly gave me power and empowerment in my life to be able to think that I could carry something that was worth somebody hearing. You ever have that happen? Where it, it's not that you don't know that you carry an anointing, but you, sometimes you can get locked into the local. And um, when Dave intersected our lives, it was like a, a freedom came. Because there's, like, there's a thousand voices out there, many of them saying the same thing, but Dave was the one that said, no, what you carry is unique because it's your narrative and your story and it needs to be heard. And so that began to really, really impact. You're the one that gave us, honestly, what we felt like was permission for me to pursue the nations. I'd made a ton of, a ton of excuses about why I knew I was called, wouldn't go, wouldn't go, wouldn't go. I was, I was oh, I, don't, I can't afford that, I can't afford that. I had a dream with Bobby Conran at one time. Bobby says, well, all I can, he says in the dream, he says, when are you going to Australia? I said, I didn't know I was going to Australia. He said, yep, you're going to Australia. My response, I can't afford it. He said, well, all I know is if God tells me to go someplace, I never ask how much it costs, I just book the ticket. And then, you know, we watched your lives about what God was doing and it really unlocked the ability for us to just pursue that. And he was right. God's met every need every time we wanted to go. So it's been, been amazing. Rick and Tara, we love them. We've yeah. known them. Yeah, they're absolutely phenomenal. We've known them for, for 24 years. They were on staff with us in a new church plant in downtown Salt Lake City. We were part of a, a multi-church staff, and senior leader was one of our Bible college professors that we were running with. But uh, they are such an amazing couple of God. They've, they've uh, really impacted our lives as well. Rick, we, we affectionately dubbed him Flounder years ago. I don't know that you all know the story, but... He'd, he'd be like a Holy Ghost magnet. And we were in services, on renewal services on Friday night. And we'd get down on the service and bam, the Spirit of God hit him. And he'd literally get on the floor and he would flop around like a fish. I mean, literally just flopping, flop, flop, flop. So we affectionately dubbed him Flounder, you know. So, so that, was, that was wonderful. But uh, yeah, and then, then he came up and he served with us on staff as youth pastors for a couple of years up in Ogden. Came out and got connected with the Ferrantes, and next thing you know, they're here. Yeah. And uh, so we are delighted to be with them again. Um, I, I've got a book out in the lobby I wanted to tell you about just for a minute, and then I'll share what I believe the Lord has for me today and you all today. But um, we've been super incredibly impacted by the supernatural in our lives and in our church. And we knew that if we, when we went to Utah, that if anything would change Utah, it wouldn't be the narrative of just another good story. In Acts chapter, chapter 1, it, it, it opens up. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus both did and said. And so the, the telling of the story is really incredibly necessary. The gospel will never lose its power. But the gospel needs to come with an active demonstration of who he is. And that's what we believed about, about Utah. That because, you know, I, I thought that we would save Utah through a good narrative of, of, of apologetics. That we could, we could convince people through a good apologetic that Jesus is the, the answer not their Jesus, our Jesus. And what we discovered quickly is that they have a book and we have a book and um, they believe their book's right. And so um, what we really quickly 
understood was that the only thing that would change is presence, power, authority that would come in and move and really rattle and shake. I'll, I'll tell you one story. We were praying for a bunch of Mormon missionaries that came in our house one time, and we'd, we'd already decided that arguing or theology and apologetics wasn't going to get the way. So at the end of the discussion, I said, hey, would you mind if we pray for you? And this young man says, yeah, that would be great. So he gets down in our floor, and he's on his knees with his hands like this and his head bowed. We found out later it's the exact same position that they get when they receive their, their, their priesthood blessing to become elders in the church. Uh, you know, and so he's down there, both these guys. We lay hands on him, and I can feel it's exactly what happened when, when Jesus stops the whole show because the woman with the issue of blood stopped and said, hey, what's going on? Somebody touch me. And the disciples are like, what do you mean somebody touch you? There's thousands of people here. And he says, no, somebody touched me. I felt glory depart, and this is what I'm feeling as it's moving into this young man. And with tears streaming down his face, he looks up, and he says, what is that? I said, that's him. He says, him who? I said, that's the real Jesus we've been talking about. And he, with, with tears, listen, with tears streaming down his face, he says, I didn't know he was real. Oh, man. And so from then on out, we knew presence evangelism, presence evangelism, presence evangelism. Signs, wonders, miracles would be the only thing that would touch a culture. And so we, we began to pursue that. Went on a trip with Randy Clark back in 2000. How many love Randy? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he wrecked our lives. We saw over 6,000 healings in 10 days. Personally got to pray for hundreds of people myself. And we saw everything you can imagine. And we just began to come back and we, we sent as many, many people on trips with him as we could. And we began to then host our own trips and begin to do training and equipping in the supernatural and healing. And, and that's really what this book is about. It's a, a ministry of healing. It's a training manual. Walks you through the ABCs of how to pray for the sick. Tons and tons of stories about our success and our failure. I'm, I will tell you this. It sounds like we've just like got a corner. I don't hardly know anything about this, honestly. I just know that when we begin to pray for people, more people got healed than when we didn't, you know? And so we just kept pursuing it. And um, so we've had tremendous victory, and we've walked away from things wondering, what in the world, why didn't that happen? And um, unless you can handle both, you probably won't have a successful ministry in healing, honestly, because you'll have to learn to push through the disappointment as much as the success. But it's a, a great book. I'll tell you one story before I preach, but, but um, um, maybe two. I don't know. We'll see. But, but um, one of them, I'll tell this one. One of them was a, a group of, of ladies that were taking care of a bunch of folks that were coming through our, our church through recovery, drug recovery. We had a lady that came in that was... Um, so far gone with meth addiction, but she's really doing well. She's been clean for a long time. And, but I didn't know this about meth, but meth will destroy your joints. It's like attacks it like premature arthritis. And her joints are being destroyed by methamphetamine and so badly that on her right elbow, they had to cut the elbow completely out because it was so destroyed. And they put a titanium elbow in her arm. And so they sewed her up. Everything's great, except now her body begins to reject it and they have to cut it out. And so um, she comes to our group. She's in a sling there's just nothing but tendon and flesh holding her, her arm, two pieces of her arm together. And she comes and, and um, she didn't come specifically for, for, for that reason, for prayer. Actually, what she said was, she said, hey, my husband and I have reconciled and we'd love to have a baby and we've never been able to have a baby. Would you pray for us? And they said, oh, we'd love to pray for you. So they pray for her. And then she goes home and, you know, months go by and she comes back one day and she's just super excited. She says, guess what? And someone says, you're pregnant. She says, yes. She said, but you don't understand. She said, I had a hysterectomy. I don't have, I didn't have a womb. And, and this is one of these deals. This was like a piece of information that they didn't 
tell her, you know. They didn't tell the ladies praying. You know, too much information sometimes will get in the way of your faith. They just prayed, Jesus, give her a baby. Well, he recreated a womb. She gets pregnant. And then, then she's here with this arm at the same time. She says, I'm so delighted. And they're freaking out. I'm so delighted. But would you please pray for my elbow? I'd like to be able to pick up my baby. And I can't even do that with two hands. And so they don't know the story. The elbow's been cut out. It's gone. So they pray for her. She goes home. And they, they absolutely, this is the truth. She goes home and at about midnight, she wakes up in her pain, just so much pain in this part of her arm. And she's just rocking, Jesus, please help me. Please help me. Jesus, please help me. Finally, she gets to sleep and wakes up about four or five hours later and there's zero pain. And she goes, oh, thank you, Lord. And, but then she says, something feels different. And she reaches down and there's bone. There's an elbow. Yeah. So she goes in. She goes into her doctor that day because they're, they're wanting to, to see how she's doing to see if they can fit her with a new titanium elbow. And she sends her into x-ray and pop her arm up there. And they send the x-rays into the dock. He brings her in. He looks at the x-ray and says, this is the wrong x-ray. She says, no, it's not. God, he, this is the wrong x-ray. He sends her back. Okay. He does this three times. She's trying to tell him, no, 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 you don't understand. The ladies, no, he, he can't get it. Finally, he takes her in. All he had to do was like reach in and go, oh, 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 you know, not doing it. And so she, she finally um, convinces him when, when he takes her into the x-ray machine himself and she, he lays her arm up there, like, come on, you know? And, and then he starts freaking out. He's, he's, he's a Mormon doctor. And, and it, was, it was quite a thing. So she brought all x-rays back to me, left his office, came straight to my office. We had the x-rays of the, of the methamphetamine destroyed elbow. We had x-rays of a titanium elbow. We had x-rays of no elbow. And then finally, we had a final set of x-rays with a brand new creative miracle elbow. And, and so this stuff, <laughs> this stuff will, will wreck you. And um, so we, we wrote a lot of stories about that. There's another story. I had an opportunity while Caleb was here going through through a deeper school. We had three other kids that were going through ministry schools, one up at Bethel and two down in Vegas at a school, and I was poor. We were pouring money out as fast as it would come in and to get them you know, in this stuff. And, and so I got a job working at a hospital in our little town, and they hired me as a chaplain, which was absolutely fantastic. And they let me um, go anywhere in the hospital except the OR suite. They wouldn't let me in there. I was a little disappointed with that, but it's okay. But, but I could go anywhere in the hospital pediatric intensive care unit, the intensive care unit, all of the suites, everything. And so they paid me to pray for people, which I thought was pretty amazing too. And so um, I, I mostly worked at night where they'd call you in because of traumas that would come into the hospital. And I remember the call that I got one night. In that season, we'd been singing um, this song, When You Walk Into The Room, Everything Changes. The lyric says this, when you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all you do. And so I got the page to come to the hospital. And, and, and um, when I got there, I, I asked what was going on. They said, it's a, uh, it's a young boy about three years old. They brought him in because he had, his parents were, were partying one night. And they were just completely out of their minds, high. And their son had slipped off away from them and, and fallen into the pool and drowned. And he is in there they're trying to get him resurrected they, they brought in life flight to him by the time they got to to him with life flight it, it had been 15 minutes he'd been face down they don't know how long in the pool and he was um 
no heartbeat, no respiration when they arrived. They worked on him for 10 or 15 minutes there before they even got him loaded on the helicopter. That trip into Ogden, by the time I got there, he had been an hour and 20 minutes with no heartbeat, no respiration. But they're still desperately trying to do something. There's about 15 people in the room, and it's mass pandemonium and mass chaos. If you've never been in a situation like this, you'll, you'll never understand it. But the parents are literally, they're unsaved, and they're coming down off of an extreme high, and they are losing their minds. And the grief and the sorrow, and you can feel the demonic spinning in the room because death has come, and death wants to claim the life of this young three-year-old. And I, my job is to try to provide solace to a couple who just lost their son. And they're having no part of it. And then this song starts resonating in my heart. When he walks into the room, everything changes. And so I don't know exactly, you know, it's not a situation where you're going to go in and tell all the doctors to get out of the way. You're just going to have to be in the room. But being in the room will be enough. And so I looked for an opportunity because there's so many people there and, and the couple doesn't want anything to do with me. So I said, Jesus, can I just find a way to get in there? And I went in and I found a little corner and I sit down in a chair and I'm just praying just to myself. And then this song just starts resonating. When you walk into the room, everything changes. The dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all that you do. And I'm just praying. I'm praying, I'm praying, and they're, they're discussing, when do we call? We've been at this so long. When do we call the time of death? When do we call this? It's time. We need to just stop. We need to stop. And then I'm praying, no, Jesus, when you walk into the room, everything changes. And then in the next moment, I hear one of the nurses that's over the top of this boy. He's still doing CPR. He says, we have a heart rhythm. We have a heart rhythm. And then in the next several moments, you know, they, they bring him back in. He's lucid. He's aware. He's responding to questions. He's, it's, it's just a miracle of, of miracles from heaven. And, and I, I know this house has contended for resurrection. We, we were with you in the journey when you guys contended for Amy. And we, we understand that, that honestly, the, the deposit that was left through that experience even set a deeper resolve in this house to run after this stuff. To say, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. we don't back away. We'll stretch out our hand one more time. We'll pray for the sick. We'll believe. And so um, we just release a blessing. Anybody have a birthday today in the house? Anybody? Birthday this week? Right there in the back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nance, would you run this back there? Just, just raise your hand. Yeah, give that to Give that to them. So anyway, you can get that in the, in the lobby. But... I encourage you, if you've been wanting to run after the gift of physical healing, it, it'll be a real blessing to you to, to grab a hold of that, and uh, you'll get some ABCs of just the practical stuff. It's not, it's like, you know, it's a gift from heaven to begin with, so that helps. We don't have to try to earn or deserve or figure out a way to do it on our own, because you can't. It's all him. But it'll be good. So enjoyed our time in LaBarge, Wyoming with Ryan. We were wrecked together in that service. And um, I've been on a journey, honestly, for the last several months, and I wanted to share part of it today and just see what God will do because I believe it's the, a call and a beckoning of the Lord for the hour that we're in. Um, I, I believe with everything in me that we're approaching one of the greatest awakening that the nations have ever seen. With, with everything in me, you can, you can feel it in, in the earth that God is calling 
because everything that we've tried to do in and of our own strength, I mean, honestly, when I look around our own nation and what we're going through and what the nation's, you know, we, we all shared a common experience through COVID, so there's that. And um, even today, because of that, it's left a fear mark on the nations of the earth. And in America alone, 60% of the church has still not come back to church since COVID started. That's amazingly appalling. <laughs> uh, because what we allowed the, the pandemic to do is to set fear in our heart rather than faith. And I'm not, I, I believe in taking care of people who are, you know, compromised and that we have used wisdom of the Lord. All of that is just amazing. But there was a much bigger intention from the demonic standpoint for this thing than, than we fully realized. And, and, um, and then it, it set habits in the church that quite honestly the church needs to come out of. And so an awakening is part of that, I think. You know, one of our good friends, Samuel Rodriguez, he said, hey, enough is enough. <laughs> if you can go to Starbucks, you can go to church. <laughs> You know, and so, so I applaud you all for being here. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great day. But I do believe that we're sitting on uh, the, the precipice of one of the greatest awakenings that the nations have ever seen. In, in Colossians 1.28, I love this out of the Passion, and I just love the way it puts this. It says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts to bring every person into the full understanding of truth. And so that should be the clarion call of every preacher in the world right now is to preach to create an awakening of hearts. So that when we stand in the pulpits, when we stand in the places where people are, that uh, the testimony that we carry and the heartbeat and the passion that we carry causes people to come into an awakening and an understanding that there's something much, much larger that Jesus is calling us towards and to. And that's what God is doing right now. In Ephesians 5.14, it says, that's why it says, the scripture says, arise, you sleeper. Rise up from your coffin and the anointed one will shine his light into you. Oh, man. That song you sang, you know, this, this morning that, that was birthed out of the renewal revival at, at Brownsville. I remember Steve Hill preaching one of the most profound sermons I've ever heard. And it was called DOA, Dead on Arrival. And it, it, it was an illustration to show what happened when God showed up in that place. And there were tons of people who rushed the altar to have their lives transformed. And then there were others at the very same moment who, when the Spirit of God fell, they were found dead on arrival. And they got up and they put their stuff together because they had a routine. And the routine couldn't be interrupted. And they folded up their stuff and they missed one of the most profound moments that that church had ever experienced. I don't even think necessarily it was because their hearts were away or leaning away from God. It was just that they'd fallen asleep in their routine. And what I believe that God is doing in this hour is that he is literally going to cause a shaking. Let everything that can be shaken be shaken. He's causing a shaking in the nations because he wants to awaken the nations, but he can't awaken the nations unless he first revives the church. And it's time for the church, you and I, to come into a place of revival. That means that we've fallen asleep. That means that we're dead in many respects, but it's time to awaken the church so that the church can become everything that it needs to become. Oh, man. In Proverbs 28.1, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursues them, but the... And this is out of the Amplified Classic. I love this. The wicked flee when no man pursues them, but the uncompromisingly righteous are as bold as a lion. Yeah. 
The uncompromisingly, uncompromisingly righteous are as bold as a lion. What does it mean? God has gripped my heart. He's dealt with my heart. He's walked me through the areas of personal repentance that I need to walk through. And because I'm uncompromised in my walk, in my lifestyle, in my faith, now I can be as bold as a lion. Why? Because there's nothing that can be held over me in terms of somebody being able to say, well, who do you think you are? I know how you really are. The accusation of the enemy that keeps knocking on the door, knock, knock, knock every single day saying, you can't be a Christian or a, a, a statement or a, a, a powerful witness to Christ because I know who you are. And you say, yep, I do too. And you walk away in shame rather than walking away in bold faith to say, no, the devil is a liar. It doesn't mean that we come to a place where we don't ever have problems or that we never walk through issues of life where we sin. It's just that when we sin, we become uncompromised with our sin. And we say, no, that's it. I'm going to deal with that which is dealing with me. Because if I don't deal with my problem, my problem will deal with me. And that's what God is calling the body of Christ to become and to do right now in this hour. Because he's wanting the church to be a shining example of who he is. Oh, man. This is not a message of, of doom and gloom and shame. This is a message to call us up higher, to call us into the purpose and intention of God so that we understand that we have been created to shine. But we can't shine if we're compromised. It's a call for each and every one of us to take a personal account of who we are. Ah, oh, imagine that. Responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris Valentin said in one of his little blogs, he said one time, he says, I hear people all the time quoting from Mel Gibson, freedom! <laughs> he said, I'd like to hear somebody one time just say, responsibility! <laughs> responsibility! <laughs> yeah, that, that we stand and we live accountable to this God who owns everything and he owns us. And last time I checked, he says, you have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed. And then to prove it, he sends the Holy Spirit and he brands us. I'm from Wyoming. I, I call it branding. You know. He brands. He, the, the seal of the Holy Spirit is what it is. He seals us to the day of redemption. In Wyoming, when we mark cows, we brand them. And it's, it's a marker for everybody in the whole world to know this one belongs to me. This one's mine. And that's what God is doing with us when he, when he seals us for redemption. The problem is we want to sometimes take the ear tag off or try to rub things or paint over things so we can do what we want when we want. He's saying, I'm having no part of that. You're mine. You are mine. You've been bought with the precious, irredeemable blood of Jesus Christ. He paid an immense price for us. And so he's calling us to come awake. He's calling us to awaken ourselves to hope, awaken ourselves to, to glory. Awake, I, I do believe this, that what God is doing right now is a shaking for an awakening. Yes. It's a glory awakening that's going to cause the church to come back into the place of, of a full 100% uncompromised commitment to him. Yeah. It's so good. One of the things I love about it the most is that it's birth in purity and love, and it's not birth in religiosity that wants to clean us up on the outside, but leave us powerless on the inside. He's not just trying to clean us up so we look good on a date. 
He's trying to change our heart right down to the very core of who we are so that we really are a representation of him. So that you can cut us any way you want to, but what comes out is Jesus. Because our lives have been fully committed, fully devoted, sanctified, purified for him. Because the uncompromisingly righteous become as bold as a lion. A fearless, ferocious lion. Oh, man. Why? I love what Paul says about the whole thing because he says, says this to the church. He says, listen, you can follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. What does the imperative then mean for you and I? Because we have an entire generation of people who are standing back looking at the testimony that we bear because we've already said, we've got the bumper sticker, you know, we've got the fish. My wife told me the other day because I was having a bad problem and a bad day. Some guy pulled out in front of me with one of the church trucks I was driving, and I, I just laid on the horn and just wouldn't let off. She says, that settles it. We're not putting the name of the church on the, on, on, on the van. <laughs> follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> Get out of my way, you sluggard. <laughs> I'm telling you, we wrestle with this stuff is what I'm saying. We're not perfect at it. But we should be along on the journey far enough that people can look at our life and say, yep, I'll follow him. Follow me to God's place. That's the name of our church. It's like, well, maybe not today. <laughs> maybe, may, maybe not today. But isn't that the whole point? Is that God wants to so conform our lives that we won't leak that. We leak him. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because as I said, there's a generation longing Looking, searching for something that's real. Can they find it in you? Is the lifestyle that you're living in, the place that you're at with your life, is it such a place that when, when you walk into a grocery store or walk into the school or walk wherever you're at, that people go, dude, I don't know what it is about them, but I just got to get to know them. I don't know what's going on in their life, but there's something different about that person. Why? Because you link Jesus. Everything about you speaks of his glory and speaks of his name. And you don't even have to say words. It's just you carry the presence of the king. One of the great revivalists of the last century, he was, he was asked by preachers because he would, every time he spoke, people would literally just flock to him about, you know, everything that he was doing and say, we don't understand. You're not a very good preacher. <laughs> You're not a very good orator. And yet every time you get up and speak in front of people, we can't, we have to find places for people to be. We've got them outside. They're leaning out you know, into the windows and try, just trying to hear anything you say. He says, oh, it's easy. He said, well, how do you do it? He says, I allow the Holy Spirit to set me fi on fire and people come to watch me burn. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what God has a desire in this hour because the latter is going to be greater than the former. That means that we're going to take an upgrade in the anointing that we carry on our lives. And it's not a weight. It's a, it's a privilege. It's not like, oh, great, something else that I've got to do. No. There is something that you do, but it's very simple. It's bow down low. Repent so that times of refreshing can come. Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 3, excuse me, that we would repent so that times of refreshing would come. You see, I'm fearful that the culture that, that is pervasive in our day is preaching a gospel that isn't in, in line with what the king has said about, about grace or about truth or about repentance because there's a lot of teaching going on right now that we can just do whatever we want to. 
We were talking about this morning about universalism and all the things that are going on there. Ultimate reconciliation where everybody gets to be saved. They go so far that they believe even the demons will be saved. And that Satan himself will have an opportunity to repent. Have we read our Bibles? <laughs> do, do we know? Here's, here's a good word about what grace looks like, honestly. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. God's marvelous grace. Look at that. His marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles and equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present day age. Oh, man. That's the kind of grace that God pours out. A grace that doesn't give us permission to just go do anything we want, but a grace that empowers us to say no. A grace that lets us understand the deep, deep price that Christ paid. A Southern Baptist preacher shared with me one time, he did an acrostic with the word grace. He said, God's riches at Christ's expense. All of the riches of heaven being poured at me, but it came at a great, great cost for a man named Jesus who'd paid for it all. And so we live, past president of, of, of Princeton University says, every day since then, we just live as a big thank you to God saying, yeah, thank you, Lord, for what you've done to me. Yeah, come on. This is who he is in this hour. A great shaking for a great awakening. Because you and I are going to be the ones that get the privilege to lead a generation into the goodness of God. Into the purity of God, the love of God, the holiness of God. And it happens, you know, I love the phrase that Heidi Baker gives, that we're laid down lovers before him. We just lay down everything and we just... We're laid down lovers. So he's calling the church to be come alive. For us to deal with the things that are, you know, the, the sin that so easily besets us. You know, Paul writes in one phrase. The things that we struggle with, the things that we say we don't have control over, the things that we keep sliding into. And he's saying, nah. And, and, here's the deal is that the enemy would want to just keep pouring condemnation on you and keep telling you that you're just never going to make it. Yeah, you're right. You are. You are. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, man. I used to be one. But now I've entered the land of being a saint with him, right? Last time I checked, Romans 6 says that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None whatsoever. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to set us free. He came to empower us. He came to give us the ability to be able to walk into perfect love and perfect holiness. And so I'm, I'm not, it's not like a blanket statement out there, but I just know the condition. We've been able to travel around the nations of the earth, and this is like a condition that God is speaking to the whole church there's an awakening happening that's causing the church to come into alignment. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's not that we have had, you know, and, and please, you know, if you've got everything rolling, roll on, you know. I'm just saying. We know when we need to straighten things out and what God's doing in our hearts. And this is a time and it's a season to be doing that. Because the nations of the earth are awaiting us.
Vacaville is awaiting for the sons of glory to be revealed. Sons and daughters who just, the uncompromisingly righteous are as bold as a lion. We like to shortcut it to say, can I have boldness without purity? Not really. Can I have, can I have boldness in fire and live my life? Going, no, not really. Because you'll always be limited by the debt of guilt and shame that the enemy wants to hang over your neck every time you step out into the streets or in your job. And it will silence you. It will muzzle you. But when you live before God saying, I, I owe no man a debt. I don't owe anyone a debt of guilt or shame or fear or sorrow. I just live in a redeemed life. Oh, man. Then you get to become bold. An awakening takes place when God sovereignly pours out his spirit and impacts an entire culture. Revival happens when people in the church come alive. R.A. Torrey, he was a friend of Dwight L. Moody. He was a great preacher and evangelist. He gave this prescription for revival during February in, in 1917 in an address at the Bible Moody Institute. He said, let a few of God's people, they don't need to be many, get thoroughly right with, them, with God and themselves the rest will count for nothing unless you start right there. Then let them band themselves together to pray for a revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. Then let them put themselves at the God's disposal to use them as he sees fit. This will bring a revival to any church, any community, any city. <laughs> I love that. Bobby Connor was with us in Utah a few months ago and he prophesied this, that what God was doing is he's bringing a great downthrust angelic forces that we're gonna begin to move through the region. I don't believe it's just a regional word. I believe it's a word over America right now, honestly, where God is gonna supernaturally bring a, a, a downthrust and he, he said he's gonna clear away the chaff and the trash. One of the things that happens with the chaff is that we get into the threshing floor of the Lord and God gets us down on the threshing floor and he just begins to move in ways. And has anybody ever seen like a thrasher in, in, in the farming community? My uncle was a, was a custom combiner and, and a thrasher, it's really interesting because it cuts the, the grain, whether it's beans or wheat or whatever, and it brings it into this bin and then in the thrasher there's this thing that rolls around and it literally beats the snot out of this whole thing. And it just, it shakes and stirs. And, and, and then there's a blower that comes through and it blows away all of the stuff that wasn't supposed to be there away from the grain so that all you end up with is grain. And we are literally right now finding ourselves on the threshing floor of the Lord where the Lord, he's shaking us so that everything that doesn't look like him falls to the side. And then the wind of the Holy Spirit gets to come and blow all of that chaff away. Oh man, isn't that wonderful? He shakes us to purify us and cleanse us. And then the wind of the Holy Spirit blows. Blow, mighty breath of God. Blow, mighty wind of God. Every single one of us should be saying, God, you can start right here. The eyes of the Lord searching to and fro throughout the entire earth, looking, longing for the ones whose hearts are completely him. And you need to just be able to throw your hands up and say, yes, Lord. You don't have to look any farther. You can, you can, you can touch me. You can use me. Do whatever you have to do. That was the cry of David. Search me. See if you find anything. 
And again, not out of a place of condemnation, out of a place of great love and passion because we just want to be completely, totally surrendered to him. Because when we're his, we become an army fit for the master. Can these bones, Ezekiel would have said, can these bones live? Can these dead bones live? Only you know, Lord. But we can have an active part and say, yes, Lord, start with me. Let your wind start to reframe everything inside of me that needs to look like you. Just, just stand with me for a few moments. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up and turn this back over to Dave and Deb and let them do what they'd like with where we're headed. But, oh, man, here's what I know. God loves us so entirely much that he's not willing to, that any man should perish. That's why he sent his son. But he loves his body so much that he wants to purify us and make us look exactly like him. So that when we walk, we walk with intention and purity of heart to say, you can follow me. Yeah. I'm, I'm declaring that this is the answer for the nations. It's also the answer for your families. A lot of people right now coming to this church right now, you've been going through like hell in your family. And the purifying wind of the Holy Ghost in you can create. It, it might stir up some stuff that looks pretty ugly for a season, but I promise you, and it's not because you're coming in with arrogance or pride. You're just coming in low saying, I'm just a lover of Jesus and I'm declaring a different atmosphere in my home. I'm going to follow him, but I'm also going to represent him well. I'm not going to come into the same spirit that's tearing my family apart. I'm going to come in and bow low and just say, Jesus, heal my family. Man, we don't, we don't have to look around too far. The, the, the statements are true. There's, there's just so much going on in terms of compromises and living duplicitous lives and not living a life that's totally dedicated to him. We don't, we don't have to look any farther outside of the room. We can just say in our own hearts, God, just change everything that needs to be changed. In my life, change everything. I, I speak in the end to, to like pornography and porn addiction in this house, in this room right now. You know, just that it, would, that it would just end, that people would just make up their mind to say, no, if I'm going to need healing or deliverance, whatever I need, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it cleaned up in my life. But we just, we just put an end to that thing. We drive just an arrow of the Lord down to that says, no more. I, I'm not going to get into a place where we're like calling out a bunch of stuff either, but that's one of the things I think that the church really needs to get right. We need to have it to be an end so that we're not living a duplicitous lifestyle because it takes us on to areas that are absolutely not God. The rest of it, we're just going to say to you, just open up your heart and say, God, search me. Touch me. Fill me. Revive me. Because we get to be a part of the greatest awakening that the nations have ever seen. It's our honor. It's our privilege to be able to do that. Oh, man. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Can I invite people to Jesus? Is that all right? One of the things that, yeah, just checking. You know, yeah, yeah, that would be good. One of the things that we've experienced for the last several weeks is every single week people have been coming to Jesus because we, we said we needed to make a, a clear presentation of who he is. Um, I was listening to Michael Culianos and he was doing an interview and he said, Jesus, send people to the church. Send people to our church to get saved. 
And then he heard the Holy Spirit whisper right back to him. He says, why would I send people to your church to get saved? You're not presenting the gospel. And I thought, oh, Jesus. And it, it drove me completely through, honestly. And I just said, okay. So from that moment forward, we've just every week we've said, we're giving people an opportunity to hear the simple truth and respond. And every week we've had multiple people come and receive Jesus at our church. And I believe that there are people right here that you've heard what we've been talking about. And it doesn't make a lot of sense without the context of who he is fully. The truth of who he is is that he is this man, Jesus, who was prophesied to come hundreds and thousands of years before he came. He was prophesied that there would be this redeemer who would come and take care of the problem of sin in the world. And that he would make a way for every single person to come into redemption, salvation, forgiveness, and healing. Because the Bible is clear that every single person in the room has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. But God, being rich with love and mercy, poured his own blood out so that we could experience freedom and salvation. He did it by sending his own son, Jesus, who died a brutal death on a cross for you and I so that he could take the sins of the world away. He was literally the Paschal, the Passover lamb, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. And he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted a family. He wanted you and I to be able to enter into the joy of knowing what it was like to be in a family. And so there are people even right now, I don't, you, you don't even know quite how you got here, but you're here. <laughs> some of you were invited, some of you wandered in, but there are some folks here today who have been wrestling with this whole idea of what would it look like to be in a family? What would it look like to be forgiven? What would it look like to have the weight of all of this anxiety and fear lifted off of my life? And I'm telling you right now, it looks like him. It looks like this perfect one who rushes in and wraps himself completely around you and embraces you. He pulls you up close and he says, you're my son now. You're my daughter. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are mine. And he did it so that you and I could step into a full place of forgiveness. And so while we're here, just for a moment, I'm, I'm asking you to do a bold thing in a moment, but it's one of the things I think is, it just kind of sets in stone. When, whenever you take a step out of someplace where you've been, it's like a marker in the spirit that breaks off that thing that you've been carrying, you know? And so we don't do it all the time, but I think it's important sometimes to take a, a prophetic act, a prophetic move to say, yes, I want him. And I'm going to step out of where I've been to get to what I need. And that right here would be called this place called the altar where you could come and receive him, where you could come and lay down everything that's been a bother and a worry and an anxiety to you. And you can have a great exchange take place where he'll come in and rush in with love and acceptance and peace and joy to completely fill you and to overcome you and overwhelm you with his glory. Oh, man. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want that. And so if you need him, if your heart has been longing for something real, if you've been saying, God, I would trust you if I could just get to you and if I knew how to do it, this is your time. Why don't you just take a step out from where you're at and just come right up here at the front and say, Jesus, I want you and I need you. You can do it right now. Just come. Don't waste time thinking about it. Just come. He's here. He's here. Yeah, you can have him. You can have him. Yeah, that is so good. Anybody else? Come, 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 come. Quickly. Quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. That's so good. Come on up here. Yeah, that is so good. Anybody else? Come. Anybody else? Quickly. You need him and long for something to be real in your life. You can come and get him. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. 
Dave, you have a couple of guys that could come around them and just pray with them? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have some of their prayer team come down and just pray a personal prayer with them so that they can just give everything that they want to to Jesus. It's still not too late. If you want to come and get him, just come and get him. You know, don't leave the room without him. That's just the key. You can have him now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk to him for a minute and bless them. For the rest of us, I want to just pray a quick blessing. I'm going to turn it back over to Dave. Jesus, right now, hold your hands out like you're giving a gift. Jesus, right now, we thank you, Lord, that you're so amazingly good in God. And we ask right now, come into our midst to fill us. Come into our lives to change us. God, we want to walk out here as those who have been with Jesus, where we can say, follow me. I know where I'm going. Follow me. Your life in me. I just give you everything. And so we bless this church. We bless, bless David. I, I will say this to the whole church. I've, I felt like this was yesterday. That, that um, oh man, um, it's harvest time for this church. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the scripture came out of Galatians where it says, do not grow weary in doing well for the proper time you'll reap a harvest. And my point was like the time for, for like grieving or, or pushing and all that you guys are ready for like a massive, massive harvest in this church. So I bless this church in this house. We love you. We're so excited to be here. And uh, thank you, Dave and Deb, for giving me the opportunity to be here this weekend. And uh, we just, we love you guys. So bless you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. to in any way feel like I'm elevating myself to a position or role that's not there but as I am so incredibly proud of my blood boys my sons I am so proud of this couple as a father is proud on a son and a daughter is that okay? sure that they walk away from here with our prayers especially as they go into a new dimension of going into the underground church in China that's, that's such a huge thing and you know that it will leave a mark on you and your congregation you'll, you'll never you'll never survive it <laughs> and I would love I would love to to invest in that and in this couple today. Would you help me do that? So we're going to receive a, an offering. And an offering simply means we offer something. <laughs> we're, not, we're not have to. It's not a have to. It's a get to. We get to invest in the people, in the message that was brought here this morning. Anytime you invest in something, you, you reap a reward. And I want to invest in, in their future and what God is doing through them and going to be doing in the nations. 
So I'd like to give us an opportunity to invest in them. Is that okay with you guys? We'll do that. So if you just get ready to give, I'm going to have somebody move this out of here and, and maybe we'll just place it over here. So if you, if you have something to give, you can get it in the war chest uh, basket, the war chest chest. And we honor this couple and the message that they brought yesterday was so incredibly helpful to people. They met with some of our team last night and they'll be meeting with a broader uh, group of people who minister here tonight that poured out themselves all weekend long and we just want to bless them really good. So if you'll help us do that, you know how to give. I think the ways to give her up on the platform. So let's stand and, and be ready to allow people to get around you to move in to give in the, in the basket if necessary. So Father, thank you for the gift that's been deposited in us this morning. And we receive the word. We receive the word into our own heart personally. And we receive the word into this body. And we say, Lord, this is a word from you. We weigh it and we say yes. And we not only say yes in our heart, we say yes with our pocketbook, with our emotions, with our, our set, the settling of our spirit upon that which has been spoken. We receive it now. And we pray that you take this offering that we offer to you for them to multiply it in the kingdom. Not only where they go, but then we get to we get to receive from that wherever they go. And that it invests itself back in the house in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's uh, just come on and give. And yeah, would you th say thank you? And I don't know if you... Okay, okay. Yeah. You can give in the giving stations there. You can give through the... Uh, through the internet, on your phone, 